2: Hold on, you're a mom and a daughter and a boss and the bill payer, baker, and everyone's appointment maker. Okay, mom, I'm ready.
0: That's a lot. So adding and student might feel daunting. But what if a school could be there for all of you? Career, family,
2: finances, and mental health. (laughs) Well, it can. National University, supporting the whole you. Learn more at nu.edu
1: what up everybody this is rob brandt and this is rick brandt and we are the brothers brandt and welcome to episode 13 the
0: godfather of tickets featuring ram silverman and this is going to be such a fascinating episode and we're excited you guys are listening we want to thank you for listening during this quarantine wherever you are whenever you're listening we really appreciate it episode 12 was incredible the major league brotherhood featuring the kalish brothers definitely check that out and rick without further ado why don't you uh tell the listeners who we got
1: on the phone it is my pleasure an honor to introduce to everybody out there ram silverman From Golden Tickets, Ram Silverman is a dear friend of us, a dear friend of the podcast, and one I think our listeners are going to thoroughly enjoy hearing from, especially when we dive into all of his background and the sports world and how he's been at the forefront of sporting and entertainment tickets. So, ladies and gentlemen, Ram Silverman, put your hands together for him.
2: Thank Thank you. My head is swelling up with that introduction, so thank you. <laughs> it's really pumping me up. I appreciate that. so uh, well, thank you.
1: Ram, absolutely. We're so happy to have you here on the podcast. And uh, you know for those listeners out there, Rob and I, as many of you know, are just avid sports fanatics. We travel the country going to and from sporting games all over. And several years ago, we happened to be in the state of Texas, the beautiful state of Texas. And we were on the last day of our road trip, we were going to 12 games in nine days throughout the Southeast part of the country. And on the last day of the road trip, it was a Sunday. We were driving from Houston up to Dallas. We had just seen a Houston Texans football game at one o'clock. And we had to get to an eight o'clock Sunday night football game in Arlington where the Dallas Cowboys were hosting the New York Giants. And as we were traveling this three, four-hour journey north, we happened to be on an interstate in the state of Texas. And as we're driving, we look over to the side and we see none other than the legendary Golden Tickets tour bus, which for those of you out there, it looks like one of those tour buses a rock band is just traveling in, going from concert to concert. And what made it so sweet for Rob and I and what definitely caught our eyes was the graphics that were wrapped around this bus on there you had super bowl tickets masters badges just all the things that Rob and I are obsessed with we saw it and we said we got to know more and Rob you reached out to them tell the listeners how this connection and friendship came together with Ram
0: yeah that was a great introduction to our friendship uh So we're driving and Rick's flying he's going like 80, 85. We got to get up to Arlington. We zoom past this bus and I look at it and I go, whoa, whoa, Rick, 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 slow down. Let this bus pass you again. I want to see what it is. And uh, I Google golden tickets and I find out it's a uh, it's a ticket company similar to, uh, you know, StubHub and that. And I go, whoa, this would be cool to do some collaboration with them uh on on going to sporting events why wouldn't that be neat so after uh following up for uh, multiple uh, multiple times i finally got in touch with the godfather himself mr ram silverman we hit it off and ram is probably one of the nicest human beings you'll meet most genuine guys you'll meet and very fun to hang out with and he was like let's do it let's do a co- collaboration and golden tickets, flew, uh, we flew down to Texas um, the next year, and we did uh, five games in five days. And uh, during the Memorial Day weekend, we saw a bunch of games in Texas. And then we also did an SEC championship where Alabama played, uh, played Georgia in Atlanta and followed up with a Falcons game the, ne- the next day. So we go way back. Uh, we've only known each other for, actually, we don't go way back. We've only known each other for a couple of years now, but I feel like uh, we've known each other forever, right, Ram? Yeah,
2: definitely. Well, you know, I got to tell you from the very beginning, from uh, from the time you called, and uh, I, I just loved uh, your enthusiasm for uh, sporting events. I love the whole story about going to 12 games in 12 days, and, and it just made a super big connection with me, thinking, you know, maybe we should... You know do something our company should do something with you guys uh, to promote our company help promote you guys too and sort of have a little synergy between what we're doing because you know what we're providing as a company is sort of what you guys are doing it, it it's the reason that we're sort of in the ticket industry because we're giving people the opportunity to go to live events and there as you know by being a fan there's really nothing better than going to a live event and uh, and you guys are proving it by you know going from city to city and game to game and I I gotta be honest with you, I was like totally jacked up about the whole idea about getting together and and the fact that we took uh, what do you guys think about four months or or so to sort of plan out our our five games in five days and the collaboration that went into it I, I just thought that was fantastic
1: Well, Ram, we uh, certainly couldn't agree more with what you just said. Going to sporting events with the people you love is a special experience that I know Rob and I, we both cherish and all those people out there cherish. And hopefully after the quarantine is over soon, we can get back to sporting events and concerts and people can get back to going to events with uh, their families and their loved ones. So Uh, Thanks for all that you do and all the folks at Golden Tickets. You guys are such a staple in the industry, a great source for acquiring tickets to live events. So all those out there, definitely be sure to check out goldentickets.com. Rob and I, we were thrilled to jump in the tour bus with you for that epic road trip in Texas. We uh, got a chance to get behind the scenes and Uh, do some special things with you guys take some tours of stadiums and see some really fun games that's a memory we'll always cherish on this podcast we're going to dive into more about you though Ram we want to hear about your journey to the top of the industry and uh, how you've accomplished so much and talk a little bit about your other ventures in the sporting world so Without further ado, Rob, why don't we get into this? Let's talk uh, some sporting tickets with Ram Silverman, the godfather. <laughs> the godfather. The godfather. We have, have
2: to, we have to have some theme music in the background, you know, seriously. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, all right, so I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start this off with, a, a, you know, a fastball of a question. Ram, you have access to tickets for any sporting event in the world. What has been your top three sporting event memories?
2: For me personally, my memories, you know, and and while we've been on the start of this, I've actually changed one of my top three that I was going to talk about. Uh, We might have a bonus one I might throw in there, but I I definitely think that my very first Super Bowl uh, has to be uh, one of my best memories because it was 19... uh, 90. It was 1990 in New Orleans with the Broncos and the 49ers, and we had really just gotten in the business in 1988. So we had gone through one Super Bowl uh, in '89 that was in Miami, and then there was the one in New Orleans. And you know, I just think that there's anybody who's a football fan has always dreamed about going to the Super Bowl. And I, I got to tell you, um, you Know, I'd only been in the business a couple of years, but I do remember staying outside of the Superdome with one of my business associates, uh, holding up our tickets and taking pictures and and really being like kind of little kids. We were just so excited. I, I gotta tell you though, I was so hungover. This is back in the days when you know we could party at night and get up early the next day, but um, I do remember that day before going to the stadium wearing a, a cold compress on my hat on my head all, all morning um, <laughs> and then as it turned out we go to the game uh we've got front row seats in the club level and it was a blowout the, the uh 49ers were uh blowing out the broncos and, and we wound up leaving after the halftime show
0: oh so, my goodness
2: <laughs> i know right what kind of fans are we i mean it was it was kind of thinking back going, and really not that big of a fan, but it was already like 40 to something in, in the first half, and the game was pretty much over.
0: <laughs> All right, so, so that's that's one of them. What are the other two?
2: Okay, so the other two um, – now, i got to be honest with you. I didn't actually go to this game, but it was the World Cup Finals in France, where France was actually in the finals, and they actually – are playing in the game. Well, the story, there's a little story that goes with this. I didn't go to the game. I was sitting at the Nico Hotel bar uh, near the Eiffel Tower, and I'm just sitting there by myself at a table watching. They have this set, a TV set up, and some girl from Denmark just walks over and says, Can I join you and watch the game with you? And I said, Great. This is like my lucky day here going on. So, anyway, the game goes on, and France winds up winning. Now, think about about this for a second. When your team wins, say, the Super Bowl, you have the whole city or potentially the whole state who goes crazy uh, when your team wins. This was literally the whole country of France went berserk. And me and this girl wound up walking down to the Eiffel Tower, which was just a couple blocks away, and there were people in the streets, like literally three minutes after they won, handing out bottles of champagne. There were cars honking fireworks at the eiffel tower and uh it was just i mean it was i had goosebumps for like two hours just looking around and seeing the pure joy of a whole country all at one time and you know i'll never forget it i mean there's a kind of a funny side story that goes with this because i'm making out with this girl at the (laughs) eiffel tower the fireworks are going off i'm making out with her and then Probably 30 minutes later, she says to me, I got to get back to the hotel because my boyfriend's coming back from the game. And I was like, deflated like in two seconds. And it was was just like, oh my God, how is this happening to me? Anyway, it was really a very, it was a touching story. I I will never forget it. Uh, Just pure joy. And it just goes back to what we said at the beginning of this podcast, that live entertainment can bring Lifelong memories, and and like I said, even though I wasn't at the game, the memory of seeing the joy of a whole country celebrating together—it uh, was just, you know, beyond words.
0: That's awesome. That's all. I got chills right now just thinking about that. I remember that game. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So, third, third favorite sporting event memory.
2: Okay, so it was going to be the Tyson Holyfield in 1997 where Tyson bit his uh, Holyfield's ear off but I I'm replacing that and I'm gonna go with the Cubs winning the World Series in game seven I was at that game and I gotta tell you it was just one of the most moving exciting uh, games it was just an exciting game and there was a rain delay for 30 minutes and so on then the Cubs come back in the tenth inning win the game in Cleveland and seeing grown men hugging their maybe teenage kids or 20-year-old kids with tears in their eyes and hugging and high-fiving. I mean, again, that was one of those experiences that you just go, God, I will always be able to tell somebody that I was at game seven of the World Series when the Cubs won. And you you, you can never take that moment away from somebody yeah that's the truth of it
0: you know it's interesting that you bring up that Cubs World Series because I don't know if you listened to episode 12 that just got released this morning um but it features the Kalish brothers and uh Jake and Ryan Kalish are from our hometown Jake is currently playing with the Royals farm system but his brother was drafted out of high school by the Red Sox and he was a part of their organization for one of their World Series not the one that broke the uh the, uh, you know, the, the Bambino streak, but the, and then um, he got traded to the Cubs and he was on the Cubs
1: when they won their world series. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. He's one of those rare players that has, think about this Ram, a world series ring with the Red Sox and the world series ring with the Chicago Cubs. Only a handful of people can have that.
2: That's pretty cool. I yeah. mean, that's really it, it is really cool. I will tell you just adding on to that Cubs story and I had goosebumps just watching the parade on TV for a couple hours. Mm. And it was just, it was, you know, it was, it was so good for the city. It was great for Cubs fans. Uh, and I grew up in Chicago. So, and I went to a lot of Cubs games. Uh, I was actually a White Sox fan, but we weren't allowed to go to Comiskey Park. So we went to a lot of games at Wrigley Field. Uh, <laughs> and um, even though I wasn't a huge fan as a kid, as I became an adult, of course, I, I did Become a Cubs fan and uh, was just overjoyed to finally have them, you know, get off the Schneid and, and win a World Series.
1: That was big for baseball in general, just for uh, the Cubbies and their fan base to have that success. And I had chills on the back of my neck the way you described being there with the family. So, uh, yeah, that sounds like a pretty phenomenal top three there, Ram. Congrats on those memories. Thank you. Well, in
2: 32 years, you know what, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot older now, and I don't go to that many live events like I used to, but when I was younger and in the business, let's say the first 20 years that we were in the business, I, I really enjoyed going to uh, a lot of these games, uh, or just, or even just a couple of years ago, I was in uh, France for the Euro Cup, and it just happened to be falling right when the finals of the French Open, tennis were going on, and I, I just told my business associate who I was with. I said, we have to go to see a French Open match because I've never been to to see it. And, and again, what an experience. You don't even have to be a tennis fan to enjoy the atmosphere, uh, seeing the clay courts. And then, of course, it was a men's final. So, uh, you know, we got to see Murray play um, uh, Djokovic. And what a treat that was.
0: Wow wow yeah that that is awesome and Ram, getting into my getting into my next question because I am really curious about this, so I'm excited to ask. We have a lot of sports enthusiasts that are listening, and this question is, what is your top five sporting events bucket list okay
2: so my top five, and they don't necessarily have to be a one Uh, you know in order or whatnot but these are just my top five that if i was going to tell somebody to go see a particular event these would definitely be the top five that i would be out there so one is definitely the masters um you know we have a huge presence in augusta not just because we sell badges for it but uh as you guys know we own a, a a hospitality house called the 1018 club and so we do uh corporate hospitality uh, as well as selling badges to the tournament. But this is almost along the lines of another event that you don't actually have to be a golf fan. And I have, had, I have sold badges to plenty of people who are not particularly golf fans, but when they went to the tournament and came back to drop the badges off at the end of the day, not one person has ever come back and said it was not one of the most magical experiences that they've ever had from walking and from when, from the minute you walk on that golf course and see how green the grass is and the fact that it's there's not one grass that's out of place and just the beauty of the whole place. And I know that you guys were there for the first time I think last year and you can speak to this. But, I mean, you want to talk about a magical place. I mean, it, it really lives up to all the hype. Uh, it's just beautiful and it's just a great experience. I hope you guys would agree with me.
0: 1,000%.
2: So that is number one, all right. So number two, uh, I think number two has to be a Super Bowl. Uh, And whether your team ever gets there or not, I've been fortunate enough to go to, you know, six or seven Super Bowls. Uh, I did get to go when the Cowboys were actually in the Super Bowl and that was actually a great experience that we were at a game that our team was our hometown team was in and they won that super bowl and uh and again the joy that it brings you when your home team is winning but even if your team isn't in a super bowl the experience of going to the super bowl isn't just about going to the actual game it's going in say on a thursday or friday going to the fan fest enjoying all all the extra things that are going on all the parties that are going on a friday night saturday night then there's tailgates uh like crazy on sunday that leads up to the game and and sometimes the game is just an afterthought because the weekend is about having a good time and uh and that's one of the reasons that most people don't just come in on a sunday to go to the game they come in for the whole weekend be a part of the the rally for their team and so on and i gotta tell you it is um, if I wasn't working at at thirty two Super Bowls, I would definitely be out having a really very good
0: time. <laughs> Ram, it's uh, interesting that you uh, that you say the Super Bowl because Rick and I uh, we're gonna the next episodes we're gonna air are gonna be our Super Bowl stories about Media Day and all that good stuff coming up in the following weeks. Uh, But, uh, yeah, agree with you on that one a 1,000%. We went to the Patriots-Seahawks Super Bowl out in Scottsdale, Arizona, and it was just a magical time. I don't want to give away too much for the episodes, but couldn't agree with you more on the second pick. What's the third pick?
2: All right, third pick is going to be the Kentucky Derby. And I'll tell you why I like this event. There's a number of reasons why. Again, it's an event that you don't have to be a, a sports fan or you don't even have to be a horse racing fan, but if you enjoy getting dressed up, and you know springtime dresses and suits and hats and the women with their you know all the beautiful hats that they have on and getting to see that live, uh, it's really just another magical time, especially when the weather is good. Now I, I have been there. I uh, uh, just a quick story. I mean, I I took my mother to the Derby, maybe my fourth year I was in business. And of course, the, it's the first week in May, the first Saturday in May, and it was probably 36 degrees uh, that day. And it, it we had a good time because we were together, but ultimately she didn't get to enjoy the Derby like so many people actually get to enjoy the Derby. So that was unfortunate. But I wanna talk about something else about the Derby. And there are only a couple of events that this actually does happen. But you've probably heard the uh, heard the phrase "electricity in the air." Well, this is one of the events that it is honestly true. When the horses are entering the gate for the main race, for the you know for the actual Derby race, and they're entering the gate, there is a buzz that is going on between these 200,000 people. There's a buzz in the air. You can feel it. You can hear it. And you get goosebumps i'm getting goosebumps now just talking about it and it's amazing the hair back back the hair on the back of your neck stands up and you go wow i mean and then of course the you know the gates open and the horses are going and people are going crazy and it's only two minutes long but it really is the most enjoyable uh two minutes for for any sport
0: oh man ram i could i could talk these sports with you all day man rick and i have not been to the derby that's on our list we gotta go Um, tell me, tell me about number four. What's the four, the four spot.
2: So the fourth has to be, um, I'm going to throw out the world cup soccer, uh, you know, world cup, although soccer isn't, you know, that big in the States, it, it is growing leaps and bounds. The fact that they have premier league soccer on, you know, NBC on Saturdays and, and maybe even on Sundays, I forget, but, uh, the fact that they have it on the audience for soccer is, uh, growing. Uh, It is definitely the biggest followed sport anywhere in the world. So when you go to a World Cup soccer, so I've been to, I've been in uh, Brazil for the soccer there, I've been in Germany. And, you know, I I think it's not, again, just about going to the games. It's about everybody who gets dressed up in their country's uh, team gear, uh, the excitement that goes on. It's all the other things that are going on uh, in the city at the same time. Um, I got to tell you, I mean, it is just fun to go. I mean, when we were in Brazil, um, you know, we just picked a random game to go to. It was Germany and, I don't know, South Korea, maybe a South Korea or somebody. I don't even remember who, who was playing. But the experience of going to that game and the cheers, and, and, and the thing about soccer, too, is that these countries, it's not like going to a football game where you go to the game they cheer when the play is over or during the play and then there's quiet in the stadium. You're in a soccer match. There's a lot of times throughout the whole forty-five minutes of each half where you can't hear anything. It's loud and, and the teams are and the fans are going crazy. And that is a joy to go to to see. And I, I gotta tell you, it's really indescribable. So that's my number four.
0: All right. I love that one. I'm a, I am played soccer in college and I couldn't agree more. It's uh, going to a uh, a live soccer event, um, e- even if it's not the World Cup, because I haven't been to the World Cup, so I can't speak to that. But going to England, going to uh, Germany, going somewhere to watch a live event. It is nonstop action, exactly like you said about the uh, cheering while while nothing's happening. It's awesome.
2: Uh, I want to share just one experience that, you know, it just brings me a lot of joy just recalling uh, this memory is that, you know, when we were in Germany, uh, you know, we didn't go see, I I don't know, maybe went to one game or whatever. But we were staying at a Hilton in Frankfurt for mostly about a month and a half or five weeks before we went to Berlin for the finals and, and so on and we went out to a cafe just outside our hotel every night it was outdoor seating uh and the joy that we had going to these games and sitting in this cafe and drinking beer with all these people around us uh just enjoying the whole experience i I gotta tell you it's just these are memories i'm going to look back on and just go god that was such a happy time And, and and again not always is it about going to the actual game it's about the people you have met and the, and the people around you and the fans and, and just the, the sheer joy. Uh, because, of course, all these games were in Germany, but the German, you know, it was German fans coming out to watch all the other games. And, and I do remember meeting so many people, and it was just such a grand time. It really was a, a phenomenal time. I definitely would recommend uh, trying to be a part of that experience to anybody here.
0: Definitely. And then what's the, what's the fifth one?
2: All right, the fifth one is sort of a related to the World Cup, uh, but it has to be the Olympics. Um, and not necessarily the Winter Olympics. The Winter Olympics are fun to go to, uh, but it's not the same as going to the Summer Olympics. And, and again, you know, when people are going as fans of a sport and they're, they're there as a fan representing their country and they're all dressed up, in all their gear, going from sporting event to sporting event, and getting actually to see a whole bunch of sporting events that you wouldn't normally uh, get to go to, whether it be rowing or cycling or badminton or handball or any of the other sports that you wouldn't normally be going to in your local city, but the fact that you get to see it on a world stage with the best players in the world, I mean, it's pretty cool, I got to tell you.
0: Man, I love that. And uh, you know, episode ten of our podcast was with Timmy Gorman. He's a dear friend of the pod and dear friend of ours from growing up. And uh, he is a track star. He ran a he runs a three fifty seven mile ram. And he's currently he's currently training for Tokyo and trying to represent Team USA in the mile. And uh, he's ranked top ten in the country. He's got to get down to top three. And we told him if he's going, we're going. Oh
2: man. Well, Tokyo would have, you know, I, I got to tell you, well, I, you know, I don't want to bring this on a downside here, but I mean, I am kind of bummed that I'm not uh, uh, going to be going to Tokyo this year. Of course, we would have been going out uh, in June, and we would have been out there for a couple months, uh, you know, month prior and then the month uh, during it, and and it's uh, obviously in the current situation. I mean, I, I they made a good decision by by postponing it. Uh, obviously. See, my concern is that they might not actually even have it next year, that it might actually be postponed till 2022.
0: What up, everybody? You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the show, guys. So, ooh, ooh. Um, yeah. so, so last question for me before I turn it, turn it over to Rick. Uh, I, I want to know, how did you get started in the ticket business Were you just wheeling and dealing at like age five and all that stuff? When did the empire begin?
2: Um, Well, I will tell you, I was always a wheeler and dealer. Uh, Even in high school, I had this little, side. in my senior year of high school, I had a little uh, pizza delivery side thing going on for my classmates that I was doing. I was able to make some money and get free pizza and so on and so forth. So my 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 eyes were open to making money at a very early age. I've been working since I was 16 years old. And so uh, the entrepreneurial spirit uh, got into me in my senior year as a high, in high school. But, uh, my, but my route was to get to the ticket business. I, I was actually a bartender. I went to bartending school when I was 18 years old. Uh, I'd moved from Vancouver, British Columbia to Miami, Florida, and I went to a bartending school right after uh, graduating from high school and i loved it and uh you know the story goes just i'll just interject this uh is it cost 300 dollars to go to that school and my mo- i begged my mother to give me 300 dollars to do it and she was like so against the whole idea of her son being a bartender and this and that anyway i wound up uh getting the money from her went to bartending school And the very first job I had at the place I got hired, the very first night I worked, I made $300 and I was able to give that $300 back to her on the very first night. So that was a good story. And that was the beginning of my bartending career. And um, I was a bartender basically uh, up until I was about 27 years old. Uh, I made a good living. I had a good life. Uh, It was a great job. I enjoyed doing it. Uh, but after a little bit of time, you know, you sort of like any job sort of kind of wears you out. Uh, I didn't like getting home at three in the morning, smelling like a cigarette factory. And uh, anyway, I was working at uh, TGI Fridays in Addison, Texas. And I met a girl who came into the bar and she was telling me, I was just waiting on her. And I'm chatting her up and uh, she's telling me that she sells tickets to sporting events. And I go, well, what does that even mean? like? oh, well, I sell tickets to the Super Bowl and the Masters and the Derby and all these different things that she sells tickets to. And I said, wow. Now, I got to tell you, at that time, I was a huge sports fan, way bigger than I am now. I will just tell you that I was like a real fan uh, back in those days. And I I basically begged her. I said, well, can I get a job working for you uh, doing anything? I, I would be happy just to learn what you do and so on. And uh, as it turns out, she, you know, I started to work for her. Uh, Fast forward eight months, uh, I did see a lot of uh, shenanigans going on the way she was running her business. Uh, Ultimately, uh, she wound up going to prison for about seven years and uh, for also bank fraud and mail fraud and all all sorts of crazy uh, things. But in that short period of time, that I was working for I did learn a lot of uh, things about the ticket business and uh, I went to my uh, best friend uh, Steve Perry uh, at the time and I said listen are you interested in maybe trying to get a, uh, a ticket business going I took out a, a I think he was a ten or twenty thousand dollar loan against a sailboat which was our seed money and uh here we are 32 years later and by the way 32 years tomorrow will be our anniversary
0: wow happy happy anniversary and uh that's pretty pretty epic story right there i love that vancouver to miami and then you know met a girl at tgi fridays and the rest is history (laughs) yeah Uh, so rick why don't you why don't you uh, ask ram some questions
1: Absolutely. I've got a full list of questions for Ram. Thanks for sharing those with Rob. Those top five sporting event bucket list items sound fantastic. And I look forward to getting a chance to enjoy those. Hopefully with both of you guys, one of these days, but Ram.
2: I I wanted to say, if you go to the Derby, we will be there at the Derby with you for sure.
1: Excellent. Awesome. Well, let's do it. So Ram. You've talked about it, 32 years in business, golden tickets. You've been operating this successful business for decades. What is one of the craziest sales stories or experiences that you could share with our listeners out there that'll just make everybody's eyes pop out?
2: Uh, one that sticks out to me was at the Olympics in Beijing and, uh, Tickets for the opening ceremony were going for, depending on what day uh, you call, they were going for between 10,000 and 15,000 a ticket. And and there was a lot of things going on with some of the companies who were supposed to be delivered uh, tickets by other brokers or other sports tour uh, operators that were not coming through with the actual tickets that they paid for. And we got a call uh, the day before the, Uh, opening ceremonies from a, I'm not going to tell you what company, but it's a large company that everybody would know. And the guy that was running the program for that company was actually a travel agent who had taken their money and it was supposed to be providing opening ceremony tickets for him and, and they didn't get delivered to him. So he called up through a contact that we had and I said, look, you know, he needed 30 opening ceremony tickets the next day. And they were really very hard to come by. And I told them, I said, look, I don't know whether tomorrow we're going to be able to get 10 tickets or all 30 tickets, but you're going to need to bring a sack of money because I'm going to need cash to actually buy the tickets. And so the guy comes over the next morning with two actual shopping bags of, of money that he has, puts them down. It's all in Chinese, uh, Chinese currency, which is, you know, stacks and stacks of money. And I said, look, you're just going to have to wait here now. You know, our deal was I was going to sell the, all the tickets that we bought, we were going to sell them to him for $15,000 apiece. That was the deal. Regardless of what we were paying, it was 15000 across the board. And we tried to buy up everything we could. And, uh, you know, about 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we'd actually only bought about 13 of the 30 tickets he needed. And, you know, he, he was freaking out. I mean, I felt so bad for this guy. And so we're selling to him for, you know, fifteen thousand a piece. And at three o'clock, he just comes into our office and very calmly just says, "Look, I need to get all thirty, or these thirteen tickets are not going to do me any good." And I, and I, I, I he says, "I want you to buy these tickets back from me." And I'm going, "Well, we can't buy them back from you right now because it's three o'clock in the afternoon." He says, "I want you to pay me." just give me $1,500 a ticket for the tickets that you just paid, They just paid us 15,000 for. And I am saying, listen, you're not making sense. Like I was, he was not at the time thinking clearly. And I kept telling him, no, I said, if you want us to resell them, we'll resell them for you. And we'll give you back all the money that we get, whether it was 10,000 or 8,000 or whatever it was, or it was 15,000, we'll just give it back to you. He says, no. Just give me fifteen hundred dollars a ticket, and I felt horrible for him. But we did. We bought back the tickets. We just sold them for fifteen thousand, and we paid them fifteen hundred. And then my very next call was somebody who needed three tickets, and they said, "Well, we're willing to pay twenty thousand a ticket," and we said, "Well, we happen to have three tickets together right here." So we bought these tickets, and sold them at fifteen thousand. We probably paid ten thousand, sold them for fifteen, bought them back for fifteen hundred, and sold. of them at twenty thousand dollars
1: unreal what a what a day what a profit
2: (laughs) i I will tell you in 32 years that that was our most profitable day we had the biggest day of all time on that day and um um it it was a very crazy time i mean it was uh you know (laughs) trying to not get arrested by the chinese police and being in hiding and it it was uh i would from that one Olympics, I definitely could write at least two, three, or four chapters of uh,
1: uh, in a book of all the experiences we have. But that one in particular really sticks out. Well, when the Ram Silverman autobiography is published, you know, Rob and I and our listeners will be definitely securing a couple of those because that's going to be a great read. <laughs> well, can I use the Godfather of Tickets? I think that's I think that's still available. I think you all can do right. that.
2: Let's trademark it.
1: All right, so Ram, I want to know, the Masters, very dear and near to our hearts. We love the sport. We love the event. You guys have a hospitality venue set up for attendees. Please tell our listeners, what is your personal favorite Masters event memory?
2: Well, I think the one that really sticks out like right away, at least as far as the 1018 Club. So for those of you who are listening, we own a club. Uh, that's about a block away from uh, Augusta National, and so we're close by for our for our guests to be able to come to him from uh, the golf course. And the year that um, Bill Mickelson won his first Masters, where he where he thought he leaped five feet off the ground, but it was really like two inches. Uh, that particular win, we actually could hear the roars of the crowd. A you know a block away, five seconds before we actually saw it on TV. So we already knew he made the putt, but the hearing the roar from Augusta National and have it reverberate down to where we were, man, that was awesome. I mean, it was wow. really awesome. And
1: so, so it, it you know everybody hears the Tiger roars, but it was a Phil Mickelson roar that is your most favorite Masters memory.
2: I I think so because you know. Even though Tiger was getting roars, now last year, of course, was pretty magical with him uh, winning and so on. But I think, I mean, it was just that particular roar that just sticks out that people were really rooting for Phil to win that tournament. And, you know, he wanted to win that tournament so bad. And, you know, he willed the ball in the cup that day. And, and it was just a whole excitement and, and hearing it. You know, we don't really get to hear a lot of the roars where, where we are, and being able to hear that, uh, and, hear, and and all our guests who were there, uh, hear that were that was, that was pretty special. That was good.
1: That does sound pretty special, Ram. So Rob and I, I mean, and our listeners out there have heard you talk about the Olympics, the World Cups, the Super Bowls. It sounds like you've been to everything, but is there an event out there that you still haven't gone to that you really want to see?
2: Um, I would say if, if if anything, probably, you know, in the tennis world, I haven't been the Australian Open. Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun to, to go to, a little hot, but Australia is pretty awesome. I was in Australia for the Olympics back in uh, 2000 uh, when it was there. And uh, that would be one, um, you know, there's not a lot that sticks out maybe a champions league final would be kind of fun to go to um but i have been to a lot of events even if a you know a ufc fight i've been to i have been to boxing matches um yeah, one one thing i do want to bring up about boxing boxing to me was one of the only other sports that there was an electricity in the air and, and i bring back to go back to that tyson holyfield fight that i do remember sitting in the uh in the arena and the buzz right before the bell went off like there was a minute there that there this big buzz is going on in there uh incredible and so that was a, a good thing but yeah I, I i gotta be honest with you i can't think of anything off hand that is really something i've missed because to be honest with you i've been fortunate in my life to be able to go see a, a lot of great sporting events
1: Oh, man. Good for you, Ram. am so happy to hear you've checked off all the ones on your list. And someday, hopefully, all the listeners and Rob and I can say the same. Yeah, I've
2: been knowing you guys, even for the short period uh, I've known you. I have great confidence in you that you will, over the next 20 years, 25 years, we'll be able to do the same. So uh, ah. we'll circle back in 20 years uh, if I'm still
1: alive, and uh, we'll see where we are on your uh, bucket list adventure. Deal, you got a deal, Ram. So, unfortunately, I feel like I have to bring this up. We're here in the quarantine situation. You're running a business that is built on providing tickets to live sporting events, but all sporting events and concerts, anywhere where large gatherings would occur, aren't happening right now. And what is your prediction? I mean, obviously, we'd love to all get right back to it immediately, but how do you foresee this future playing out in sports and entertainment in general?
2: Yeah, I mean, these are the things I wake up every day thinking about and, and actually conversing with other people who are uh, in my industry who I'm friends with. I mean, we're, we're competitors, but I have a lot of friends who do what I do for a living. Uh, i don't so sure that none of us see a way forward right this minute Uh uh, if I'm being totally honest, I, I don't see live sporting events coming back with fans or spectators uh, this year. Uh, I, I don't see it. Uh, I think it's too risky. Uh, unless there's some sort of miracle drug that comes on the market that uh, will help prevent it, uh, I think the way we see live events, um, you know, unfortunately for us, is going to. I think it's going to be a rough road. Uh, I don't think all the ticket brokers are going to survive. Some of the guys have been in the business as long as uh, we have. Um, I pray every day that we will survive this and that we'll figure out a way uh, to get through. Uh, I would, you know, I would be lying if I didn't say that I, I'm over, you know, super concerned. I mean, every day I'm concerned, and there's a lot of anxiety. You know, we—I I have some of my employees have been with me from. 16 years to 31 years and you know it's not just about me it's about the the livelihood that we provide uh to them the loyalty that they provide to us uh the the fact that they love our company i love them for loving our company we couldn't have built our company without surrounding ourselves with good people uh which is one of the reasons why we've lasted so long uh and um it hurts. I mean, it's very painful. I mean, we had we laid off a uh, half our staff um, back uh, in March. Uh, fortunately, we were able to get some of the PPP money, and we were able to bring them back. Uh, but that's only till the end of June, and we're just not quite sure. You know, it's almost doesn't matter how far out you schedule a concert or some of these sporting events. I, I just I think if we are being realistic, it is just going to be very big it's going to be very challenging to have fans go to the game until there is a vaccine uh, or something that can help cure it and and
1: that's pretty scary really ram ram you're a special man you're a kind man and a great leader and i know all of this is out of your control yet your heart still weighs heavy on it and Uh, Rob and I, you know, we met you, your bus back in 2017 was on a relief mission. You were traveling from Dallas down to Houston to provide food and water and necessities to folks in those communities that were suffering from some floods, as I remember, and you've always been that type of leader, and I'm sure this is just a a difficult time for you as the uh, leader of your company, so... Uh, our thoughts and our prayers are definitely with you and golden tickets and the whole sports world in general out there you think about the the hourly workers that work inside stadiums providing concessions and checking tickets there's there's a lot of people this is affecting and you know we don't want to end on a sour note so i'll get you out of here on a on a positive question let's let's fast forward let's get sports and concerts happening again tell the people why it's so important, why it's so special for families and friends to go to live sporting events opposed to sitting at home and watching them on TV?
2: I think I can kind of, you know, so some of my favorite memories, um, you know, as a child uh, was going to uh, baseball games or Cubs games with my dad uh, and my brother. And, you know, on TV, you cannot replicate uh the sound of a bat on tv it's not the same as hearing the crack of a bat at a ballpark and the smells of the hot dogs and the you know popcorn and and seeing the grass in real how beautiful the field is and 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 enjoying that yes tvs have gotten way better since we were kids obviously but it's not the same as going to the event and hearing the crowd and the roars of the crowd you know you're at home watching a game on tv all right you get excited you're happy and whatever but you're not at the game high-fiving people around you you're not enjoying all the things you know you know you don't go to a baseball game unless you have like a hot dog and a beer or or whatever because it's really just part of the culture of going to that and you can kind of relate that to going to almost any event and and the same goes with concerts. I mean, you know, yes, you can get a, a record, but if you have a favorite band and seeing them live, um, you know, you're going to have these. Mer- you know, our life is about memories, and and looking back on our life and creating all the memories that we had, and going back and say, hey, do you remember when we went to this? And, and I'm just going to use two examples really quick. One is I'll never forget the first concert I ever went to which was in, it was in um, 1978, living in Vancouver, and I went to see Gino Vanelli, who was a Canadian artist who had like a number one or number two hit at the time. And I'll never forget that that was the first concert. And the fact that I went to go see Neil Diamond on my 18th birthday in Vancouver. These are memories I'm going to have. And also lastly, when my business partner and I went to see the Eagles, when they opened up, the american Airlines center in dallas and they were the opening band to open up the arena and those memories are not something you're going to get at home and that's
1: well said well said rob and i are so in line with all the things that you've been echoing throughout this podcast we feel the same way i know a lot of our listeners out there do as well and We can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day, Ram, here to join us on the Brothers Brandt Podcast. So thank you so much for being with us.
2: Yeah, I just want to say thank you, guys. I appreciate everything you do. I enjoy your company. I enjoy your passion for uh, not only just sports, but just your passion for life. Uh, I wish there were more people who are like you. Uh, We need more of you. And so thank you. And uh, I appreciate you making me a part of your, your journey. So thank you.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for including us in your journey as well. So all for all you podcast listeners out there, I'm Rick Brandt. And I'm Rob Brant, And
0: this is the Brothers Brand Podcast.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care.
0: Thanks, ma'am. Thank you.